Last week, we, I, guess we, I guess we started a series, really. We're going to be journeying in Matthew 13, really probably for the most of the summer. And if you remember, <clears throat> those of you who didn't hear this, go ahead and grab the CD in the back or check it out on the podcast. But uh, you, if you remember that we, we looked at the Matthew 13, it's the story of the farmer or the sower that sows the seed into four different soils, right? And Jesus is saying that he's the farmer, and that the, the seed is the word. The seed is the, is the word of God, the word from the kingdom. And, that, uh, and then that seed goes into different soils, which are our hearts, right? And what we looked at last week, it was just an introduction. And we're going to be exploring this from different angles. But if you remember that the word or the seed is the word of, of the kingdom. It is the sure, guaranteed, promised, powerful word of God from heaven. The Bible says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's not settled on earth, though, is it? Is his will being done on earth? No, there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of disease and a lot of messed up stuff and injustice on the earth because his will is not being done. The problem is not that God is not sovereign. The problem is that human beings don't agree with God's will. That's why Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Why? Because I'm here now. I'm here to bring the kingdom. Well, Jesus tells this story. It's the story that's the key to all the other parables, and it's the story that is, explains how the kingdom works. It tells us how we can get the kingdom here on earth. And Jesus is obviously telling us by the story that it's not up to God, because His will's set. In every instance, His will is the constant, and His word is the constant. The seed didn't change in the story, but the soils did. And He was trying to communicate to us, and we're going to be looking at how to do this. He's telling us how to get God's will done in our lives. He's showing us that the variable is our hearts. It's the soil of our hearts, not whether or not he's in a good mood or not. No, he's good all the time. He loves us. And the only reason Jesus even came was to give life and life to the fullest, right? Life abundantly. And so he's trying to tell us, how is it that I get my prayers done, uh, answered? How is it that I can see the will of God done in my life? How is it that I can fulfill my calling? How is it that I can receive a word from God? and then produce the fruit of the kingdom. He's explaining how we get justice in the nations, how we can see a harvest of people come to Jesus. He's explaining how we can see God's uh, uh, or Jesus' character formed in us to become more and more like Jesus. It's simple. It's how the kingdom works. So that's kind of what we're looking at and what the Lord said last week, if you remember. Um, try, trying to do this introduction really fast here. <laughs> come on, let's get on with this thing. No, but... Sorry. Uh, what the Lord said, and this is why you need to get this, the Lord, had told, the Lord said last week, and this is what this summer is about, He said, teach the church how to stand on my word. And the Lord said to us last week, if you will hear my word and hold on to my word and not like anything steal it, right? Don't get offended when you go through trials and when it doesn't look like it's happening. Don't let the, the desires of the, you know, the pleasures of this life and other things, anxiety, worry, fear, Offense towards God. Don't let that steal. He said, if you will take my word, you will hold on to my word, and you will not let it go, what will happen? It will produce fruit. Amen? Because the word has the power to produce the fruit of the kingdom if we'll just hold on to the word. And so we need to learn how do we hold on to that seed, if you will? How do we stand on the word of God? Well, today I want to give you a, a principle just uh, right out of verse... Uh, where'd it go? There it is. Right out of verse 9. It's a, it's a key to understanding how to produce, how to receive the word and how to, how to well, yeah, there it is, how to receive the word. <clears throat> Verse 9, Jesus simply says this. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the way Jesus would end a lot of his stories, and this is the way he ended the story here. He didn't even explain it to anyone. He waited until he got with his disciples and explained it like we did last week. We explained the, what the parable means for our lives and we applied it. But what does he do? He tells the story and then he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Is he talking about our physical ears? No. He didn't say he who has ears. Okay, that was really funny. Because my... No, I had a thought. I have to tell you. It was funny in me. My kids have been watching Mickey Mouse and Mickey Mouse says... We have ears. Say cheers. So when I said that, I, did he, I heard it in my head. He has ears. Have cheers or something like that. Okay, that's just really weird. So, 
I need to stop watching Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah, right? Goes into the ears, goes into my heart. This is not good. Cut out the Mickey Mouse. I need to give myself to the Word. So, okay, so, he didn't say he who has ears here, right? He, he wasn't just saying, like, we all got ears, we all got some flaps on the side of our heads. What is he talking about? He who has ears to hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's talking about the ears of our heart. He's not talking about the physical ears, but our spiritual ears. And he's not talking about hearing words physically that are coming out of my mouth, although that's part of it. We got That's how the... That's our, our, our voice is the vehicle that carries the word. He's talking about hearing the voice of the Lord, hearing the word of the Lord in our, in our hearts. He's talking about, Jesus is basically, this is Jesus' phrase. Paul says it a different way. The Apostle Paul calls it in Galatians 3, he calls it the hearing of faith. The hearing of faith. And Jesus says that if you cannot hear what I'm trying to say to you, that you're not going to get what I want to give to you. Here I am. I want to give you the kingdom. I want to give you the things of the kingdom. But you've got to have ears to hear. You've got to hear what I'm trying to communicate. In a sense, to make it simple and practical, you've got to hear what the Lord, you've got to hear the word of the Lord. You've got to hear his voice. He literally says, right? Physically, if I can't see, or physically if I'm blind, I can't see your face. Physically, if I'm deaf, I can't hear your voice. And he says that people are, phys- are spiritually deaf and spiritually blind and unable to hear or the Lord or see what He wants to do in their life. And what does He say in verse 15? He says, because they can't hear and because they can't see, if you look at the very bottom of that verse, what does it say? That they can't be healed. It says, so that they should be... He, uh, he says... Uh, he, anyways, He says it a whole different way, but He's basically saying that if they were to hear and if they were to see, they would be healed. In Luke, He says they would be saved. How, how, how do we come to the Lord? How do we receive the things of the kingdom? Healing, answers to prayer, all that stuff. He said, you've got to have ears to hear. Say cheers. Um, and he says in verse 23 that the good ground is the person who understands, who has ears to hear and hears what the Lord is saying. Remember we said this last week that the will of God, where the will of God is known, that's where faith begins, right? Faith begins when the will of God is known. If you don't know what God is going to do in your life, if you don't know what the will of God is, you can't trust in what He is going to do. If you don't know what God says, you don't know what to do. If you don't know what, who He says you are, you don't know who you are. But the moment that you hear the Lord and you know what you're supposed to do, you know what He's going to do, you know who you are, you know you can trust in Him. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Romans 10, 17, we quoted a bunch. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Did we just stutter? <laughs> like, did, did Paul just, like, stutter or something like that? <laughs> Is he a stutter writer? <laughs> no, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. What kind of hearing is he talking about on the first hearing? He's talking about the ears of the heart. He's talking about the hearing of faith. Faith comes by hearing. When you believe the Lord... This is, the Bible calls it revelation. The veil is rendered, and you move from theory to reality. That's a nice idea. Oh, that's real. You move from, that's nice for somebody else, to, oh, that's for me. You move from, well, if it was God's will, to, oh, that's God's will. That's the hearing of faith. That's what happens. Faith comes by hearing. Faith begins when you hear. Faith begins when you understand the will of God. So why did he say, and hearing by the word? Because that's how you build your faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. Right? You read the word, you listen to the word, it builds up your faith, you hear the Lord. This, this is so essential for us to understand. Because if, if we don't have ears to hear, we can't even receive the seed properly as good soil people, and then even produce fruit. Do you see that? A lot of people, they'll hear the gospel coming to them, but they have such hard hearts, especially in the Western world oftentimes. I mean, I'll just pick an example, although well, we'll use a couple of different examples today, but let's just say randomly, because <clears throat> I never use this verse at all. 
that uh, by his stripes we are healed. Let's just say that Jesus was scourged so that we could be physically healed, emotionally healed, all that, which it is true. Okay, that gospel goes forth. That's a good word right there. That's good news. And I proclaim, I'm just a messenger. I just proclaim that message to you. The seed goes out. You are literally being given the good news in word form. Right? So many people are so hardened, so full of skepticism or bitterness or despair or whatever that they can't even hear that word. Others, they receive it and they say, yay, that sounds like a good idea. And then when it doesn't happen immediately, they get offended at God, right? They get mad or they get discouraged, they give up. Or they're so full of anxiety and worry or whatever, or they're not giving themselves to the kingdom, you know, they're giving themselves to uh, uh, just worldliness or something like that, that they have no room in their hearts, there's this competition in their hearts, and the thorns choke out the word. But what happens if a person would hear by his stripes, you are healed. What would happen? Jesus is trying to say, if you would hear the good news, the promise of God, and it would come into your heart, and you would hold on to it, what will happen? You'll be healed. It, the word will do what it said it would do, right? Remember in Mark chapter 5, the woman who had the flow of blood, right? A bleeding issue, internal bleeding issue for 12 stinking years, right? And there were doctors who tried to heal her, and she spent her money, and she gave her hope away to these doctors. Now, again, by the way, we're not like against doctors. Wonderful if they can help you. But has anyone ever known somebody who has given themselves to doctors for 12 years, and it nothing worked? Uh-huh. Oh, that, you mean that doesn't just happen 2,000 years ago, right? Like, we live in America now, right? So we have doctors, so we don't have to worry about that. Healing doesn't happen in America because we don't need healing, I mean divine healing. We just get it from doctors. Right, how's that working for a lot of us here? Right, anyone had chronic pain that hasn't gone away? Anyone ever had known friend, well, just, you know, friend of a friend who's had stuff that nobody could ever figure out? Ever, anyone ever know anyone who's on 20 medications, but they're not really better? You know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm not trying, we don't have to feel bad about it. I'm not trying to be mean. And we love doctors. We love medication. We love uh, uh, cures and vaccines. The people don't have to die of stupid illnesses. And I mean, I love it. You know, and if you can fix it, fix it. You know, praise the Lord. God gives inventions and creative things. But there's a lot that God, people can't do, right? So this woman is suffering from a flow of blood for 12 years. Okay, she has no hope, and then one day she, the Bible says in Mark chapter 5, she heard about Jesus. What happened? The testimony of the Lord, who Jesus is. He is Messiah. There is healing in his wings, as Malachi says. Right? This is one of the prophecies, that there will be healing in the, the wings, probably meaning the garments. She heard the prophecies probably growing up. And then she hears, this is the one. Dude, I'm telling you. You know, Leopard Louie got healed the other day, or, you know, whatever, like. <laughs> People are being healed by the thousands. The testimony of the Lord goes into her ears. What happened? What happened? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word, right? So she hears about Jesus, and she said in herself, what? If only I touch the hem of His garment, I will be healed. Faith begins where the will of God is known. That if I touch his garment, I will be healed. Do you see that? Very personal and very sure. Yes? Now, it's fine. You don't have that much faith. He's still good. Way more compassionate than we know. Just feel you anyways. But I'm just, okay. But faith begins where the will of God is known. The word went into her heart. It produced fruit. Why? Because of her faith. Right Now, that was an instantaneous thing. It doesn't always work that way, does it? It doesn't always work that way. Especially with... Things that aren't, even healing doesn't always happen instantaneously, but you know, okay. Let me show you this principle in Deuteronomy 8. If you were, hope you had your finger there. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And the Lord wants to just, there's, I just sense a prophetic word that's on this, and so I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to run with it. Alright, so in verse 3, um, by the way, this chapter is like amazing. Uh, very, very key, important chapter. I think about it all the time. Lots of principles in here. I'm going to give you like the main <clears throat> principle, right? Here it is. Verse 3. So he humbled you. Uh, Moses is talking about God, the Father. So he, the Father, humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor your fathers know, 
that he might make you know that the man that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Right? So Moses is saying, God has been teaching you. This. Okay, the situation is Israel has been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. One generation did not want the abundance that the Lord promised. They said no. They resisted out of fear. They rebelled against the Lord. So they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Not necessarily what God wanted. Well, so now this next generation that's being raised up has been living in that situation, that context. And God is explaining in Deuteronomy 8 that in this time of 40 years, I've been trying you, testing you, refining you, humbling you. He's been teaching them. In fact, in verse 2, he says, I have led you all the way. This chapter is all about the sp- how to be spirit-led. This chapter is how to be led by the Lord. And he's saying, I've been teaching you how to be led by me. I've been teaching you to humble yourself and to live in complete dependence upon me. I've been refining you and getting that junk out of you and that pride out of you that would cause you to go to other gods. I've been doing this and I've been testing you and I've been finding out what's really in your heart. That's what the wilderness is about in their life. That was the wilderness. That's what it is in our life, right? So then in verse 3, tells us, bottom line, what he's trying to teach them. He goes, you've been going through this and I've been humbling you and even the hunger. God, why, if you're so good, why do I hunger? Why sometimes aren't my prayers answered? That kind of stuff, right? We'll talk more about that. How do you deal with the rocky soil? How do you deal with the trials when they come? He says, all of that has happened because I want you to know that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of my mouth. That your provision is not physical. It's not just about your job. It's not just about your, uh, uh, your, your um, salary. I just blinked on the you know, noun. Anyways, it's not just about that, right? It's not just about the interest on your, on your bank account. Or it's not just about that. It's not physical. Your provision is not about a physical thing. What is he saying? No, he says, man lives on my voice. Man lives on every word that comes out of my mouth. That that is your provision. And that's what the Lord wants to talk to us more specifically about right now. That's the principle. His voice is your provision. Did I, that didn't come out right. His voice is your provision. Did I say that right? Okay, I thought I switched it around. Not your voice is his provision. That would be bad. <laughs> his voice, your provision. We do not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of his mouth. Now think about it. They were in a wilderness, right? And God, I love chapter 8. He just, he calls it a terrible wilderness. God calls it a terrible wilderness. I mean, Moses, but through God, it's the inspired Holy Spirit. I mean, he's like, dude, I just want you to know, like, I know it's been a terrible place. I mean, right? There's been fiery serpents. It's dry. It's thirsty. It's a bad place. You know, I mean, it, it's not so good. And he just lays it out like that. And yet, what happened? Did they ever go hungry? Did they ever go thirsty? No. I mean, well, they got a little, they got a little offended at God at times. But no. Manna from heaven. Miraculous provision. Every single day, bread from heaven to provide for their needs. Water from a rock. A rock. A dry, dead rock. It's kind of like turning water into wine. You know what I'm saying? You take a rock and you make water come out of it. And they, they were able to provide some two million people plus animals with water. That's good leadership, right? It's a good God. He says, in that wilderness, I have met every one of your needs. I have fed you. I have given you water. He says, I did that so you would learn one thing. It's not by your own power and by your own strength that you provide for yourself. Your provision is not necessarily your job, your bank account, this, that, all these external things. He says, no, it's my voice. And he says, I've done this because I want to learn how to live by my voice, by the word that I speak to you. That is your provision. That is your direction. And when you hear God, like I said, you know his will, faith is awakened, and you can see the kingdom of God produced in your life. But then he says, I did this because I want to do good to you in the end. In verse 16 at the end, he says, to do you good in the end. And he says, I'm going to bring you into places where there's houses 
and all this land and abundance of food. You know, in Deuteronomy 8, it talks about uh, uh, being lenders and never borrowers. Right? That's abundance. Not debt. Right? That, that, that's false abundance. Abundance is when you have more than enough. You have leftovers. Debt is false. Abundance. The Lord wants to free God's his people, right? So we can actually have true abundance. This is what he's talking about. He wants to give houses to the Israelites. He wants to give them their land. He wants to give them abundance. He wants to provide for them. They'd have more than enough and they'd be a blessing to the nations, right? God said that to Abraham to be blessed and a blessing. That's the only reason to have abundance anyways. He's trying to tell them, this is how you step into abundance and not get prideful. This is how you live in the wilderness when you're struggling. And this is how you go into the promised land and live in the promised land in the miraculous blessings in favor of God without getting prideful, without turning to other gods and saying, yeah, my own power got me this well. No. Why, how is it that you continually walk in humility led by the Spirit? You do everything that He says. You say, no, no, my provision is not my strength. My provision is not this job. It's his voice. Which, of course, means you make different decisions than all the other people in the world. It means you may not make decisions based upon money. Actually, you won't, will you? You base it on the will of God and the calling of God on your life. Amen? A little bit different than being greedy and all that stuff. This is what the Lord wants for his people. What is the Lord saying to us? My voice is your provision. What you need is to hear my voice. I need a job. No, you need to hear his voice. I need direction in my life. No, you need to hear his voice. We need to hear his voice. And this is a shift that needs to happen. Now, the Lord has been working in me for some time and trying to walk this out. I'm learning a little bit. The shift that says, no, I need to hear his voice. I have to hear his voice. And the other shift is that I can hear his voice. He is speaking to me. And, and, and it's become so simple to me. I used to be like, okay, I'm going to be like, Speak. You know, I mean, like, and I love spending lots and lots of time with Jesus, but like, you know, you'd go, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to spend all this time with Jesus so he could speak to me. And now I, re- I fast and pray and spend lots of time with Jesus because I, I like to, because it builds on my faith. But here's the deal. It's the hearing of faith. So when it's simple, you flood your heart with the word, you build up your faith, come into the presence of God, and he, he reveals himself to you. He speaks to you. Makes it a lot easier. So basically, you know, I mean, my job is not to like figure out, oh, it's God saying to me. My job is not to like, okay, speak to me, or like, you know, I don't know, like, you know, I don't, you know, like, to, I'm trying to get the radio to tune in right. I don't even have to worry about that. No, my spirit and his spirit are one. We're already in tune. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know much how more in tune you can get. All I have to do, get those distractions out and flood my heart with the word and build up my faith so that I can hear his voice. So that it can move from principle to personal application. So it can move from theory to reality. So it can move from, oh yeah, that's good for somebody else, to it's good for me. Right? How did any miracle happen in the Bible? (laughs) Somebody heard God. Just go ahead and do the word study. (laughs) How did Joshua actually lead the people into the promised land. How did those walls fall down? Well, last week, I was, I was, you know, how did, I was like, how did David get his calling? By faith, right? How, did, how are we going to get victory? By faith. Well, right, how did those walls fall down? By faith? Do you really think that shouting breaks down walls? I know it's spiritual warfare and all, but it only works one way. When you have faith, Right? That's what knocked those walls down. Well, then how did they know to do it and to shout? How did they know that it was going to work that time? Because God said. Amen? That's it. That's it. How are you going to get victory? By faith. How is that going to happen? When you hear the Lord and you do what He says. And sometimes that means you do what He says and do what He says and do what He says and hold on and keep holding and keep holding. (laughs) Okay? Oftentimes His Word is to prepare us. And it's going to take time. Oftentimes, His Word is to encourage us because He knows that there's going to be that delay or whatever. So many different ways it happens. We don't have time to look at, to talk about that. But <clears throat> I said last week, even how the Lord 
just broke that spirit of lust in my life when I was a teenager. By faith. How did it happen? Because as I was convinced that God actually wanted to do it and He was for me, not against me, I began to hear the Lord. And I did what He said. And I walk in purity. And I still have to do the same thing. Because if I get my eyes off Jesus, what happened to Peter? He started to sink. What happens if I get my eyes off Jesus? I start to sink. Right? There's only one reason that I can walk in victory because I hear the Lord and I do what He says. I have to do the same thing that everyone else does, right? <laughs> it's not like, well, no, Dave's just different, you know, special or something like that. People do that all the time, right? Well, I have just different hormones or something. Yeah, that one's probably not going to fly in heaven when you stand before the throne. <laughs> We've got to learn to press into Him, don't we? We've got to learn to press into His voice. We need to hear His voice. We need to learn to not lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge the Lord in all our ways. And what will happen? He will direct our path. Right? So we quote that verse, but what does it mean? It means you hear Him. It means you you seek the Lord and you say, God, what is Your will? You're my Lord. What are my marching instructions, right? What do You want me to do? It's when you go to Him with that problem that He cares about and you say, God, I need an answer to this. I need breakthrough. I need provision. I need direction. I need a word from you. And you press into the Lord. It means you stop, ask, and listen, right? And in all your ways, you stop. It doesn't mean you don't brainstorm with the Lord. That's what I call it. I call it brainstorming with the Lord. Why? Because we're not talking about being dumb. You know, We're like, oh, I can't figure out my, my life. You know, I don't know where to shop or something like that. Now, we're talking about going before the Lord. I often bring my research before Him. I often say, Lord, I just need to research it. I need to know the facts. I bring the facts before Him. I do it with Him. I mean, I'm in a constant dialogue with the Lord. I spend time with Him, you know, generally in the morning or at different times of the day. But I'm praying in the Spirit all the time. This is a very important thing. You know, building up our faith in the Word, listening to people preach, worshiping the Lord, just being in His presence. But all day I'm just maybe talking to the Lord, dialoguing. Praying in the Spirit such an important key for me. I call it the DSL connection. It's why God, uh, when we are baptized in the Spirit, why speaking in tongues is like, like the main gift that is given. It's the gateway gift. Because that way we can begin to, the, the praying in the Spirit, you're praying mysteries. Your Spirit, partnering with the Holy Spirit, you're praying, you're praying the perfect will of God. And God, you're able to hear the Lord. Right? You're able to get that word of knowledge or that word of wisdom, what I, what I would call Holy Spirit strategies. You're able to hear the Lord speak to you, give you prophetic words. The gifts of the Spirit flow, and uh, 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 all the gifts of the Spirit are given when we're baptized in the Spirit, but praying in the spiritual language just kind of is one of those ways to activate and stimulate, and like I said, the DSL connection. So I pray in the Spirit all the time. A lot of times I just get strategy from the Lord as I just pray in the Spirit. And what am I doing? I'm taking things before the Lord, brainstorming with Him. We do this as a community at times too. You know, I, you know, when we have staff meetings, I say, well, let's, let's have a little staff meeting with Jesus, right? He is the leader, right? Is He the leader of your business, the leader of your family? Is He the leader of your finances? Is He the leader of your life? Is He the leader of your, of your ministry, your, your whatever? Well, I would hope so. If He is, let's invite Him in. Acknowledge the Lord in all our ways, and He will direct our path, right? He says, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He wants to speak to us. He wants to show us what to do. He wants to show us what, what He's going to do so we can trust Him. <clears throat> Let me give you an example. If you want to, you can turn to uh, First, uh, Kings, sorry, First Kings. Uh, chapter 17 is with Elijah. The one with the J. And Elijah, he, uh, he prophesies to the nation of Israel that there's going to be a drought um, for, uh, he says in uh, verse 1, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. The reason why was because the people of Israel were worshipping Baal, who was the God, basically, in a lot of things. Those gods took on a lot of tasks. But they were trusting the gods. They hadn't done Deuteronomy 8, obviously. They were trusting the gods for their provision, right? And not living out kingdom values of justice, and giving and you know wisdom and all that kind of stuff. They were worshiping idols, and they were and that always leads to things like injustice. So, um, so the Elijah stands up and proclaims, "There's going to be a drought." 
What's a drought to an agricultural community? It's famine, and that's recession. Depression, right? And so uh, Elijah prophesies this recession as a consequence of their actions. And uh, verse 3 He says, or God said to him, the word of the Lord came to him, and it says, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you will drink from that brook, and I will command the ravens to feed you there. Right? So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. So, what was... Elijah's provision. <laughs> it's a pop quiz. What was Elijah's provision? The word. How was Elijah provided for? Was it his own human effort? Was it because he's a great farmer? It's not very good, easy to be a farmer when there's a drought. That works when there's not a drought. The Lord gives seed and rain. Amen. But in this context... There's nothing, right? There's nothing. So what happens when there's nothing? What happens when the economy falls apart? Well, stinks to be us. You know what I'm saying? What happens? What happens when there's consequence because of the sin of our country? Because of the greed. Because of the foolishness of government leaders. And there's... Right? And there's a recession. You think maybe God's trying to wake people up a little bit? You know? (laughs) What do you do? Well, first we pray and ask God to bless our nation and bring us to repentance. Amen? <laughs> we ask for revival is what we ask for. But uh, in, what, do you, what do you do? You need the Word. Whether you're in the wilderness or whether you're living in abundance, we need the Word of the Lord. And of course, the Word is our provision and also the Word is our humility in the midst of abundance as well. So what does Elijah do? He receives the word of the Lord. He does exactly what God says. And, it's, and, the Bible, and God said, it's there I will provide for you. There I'm going to provide for you. You go to that river or that little creek and I'm going to provide for you there. Right? He, went, he goes to a different creek. What's going to happen? No ravens. <laughs> right? He's got to hear the Lord and go there. You know, the Bible doesn't really tell you which job to pick, does it? You need to hear the Lord. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean that you're always going to hear like audible voice or audible words in you. So sometimes, you know, when I use the word voice or word, which is what the Bible does say, uh, it can be a little misleading in the sense that the Holy Spirit is in us and He witnessed these things to our spirit as well. And we're in a relationship with the Lord. It's not a formula. It's a relationship. That's a good one, huh? It's a relationship. And so the Holy Spirit can often witness things in our spirit. I don't always hear a specific verbal word from the Lord, although sometimes He'll do that. Sometimes it's, literally, sometimes as I'm listening to someone else preach, I get an idea. A good one. A God one, you know? Sometimes I'm reading the word and the words jump off the page, or I sense the presence of God. Or literally, sometimes I'm reading the word and I hear God speaking as I'm reading the words. Or I'm hearing someone preach and I'm hearing God speak to me as I'm hearing the other. It's weird. It's like, Two wavelengths at the same time. It's really neat. I like that. That's like my favorite, I think. I mean, dreams, visions. He can just do whatever he wants. He can speak through other people, obviously. But he can witness things to our spirit as well. When you're just in, you're in the presence, not the atmosphere of fear, you know, that's just messed up when you're trying to hear God fear. It's not the hearing of fear. You know what I'm saying? But as you're in the presence of God and you built up your faith, the Holy Spirit can witness and say, yes, I want you to do that. You know, you don't even hear a yes. You just sense peace about it. Yeah. Or sometimes you can say, no, 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 don't do that. That's not good. Like I said, not fear, but faith, right? This is the kind of thing that we need from the Lord. So then that, uh, that, that creek dried up, right? And he got mad at God and said, I thought you were going to provide for me. No, he didn't do that. He didn't, know. he didn't get mad at God. The creek dried up. And in verse 8 it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What do you need when the creek dries up? You need another word. (laughs) Amen? Right? But I thought, but I thought, and then you get mad at God, don't you? I thought this was the job. It's not the job that's your provider. God is your provider. Amen? And His and your provision comes 
through his voice to you. Right? The kingdom comes to you in word form. You've got to receive it. Believe it. Walk that out. So what happens when the, the game changes? What happens when things get worse if they were to get worse? What do you need? You need the word of the Lord. So he hears the word of the Lord. And, it sa- he sa- and God says in verse 9, Arise, go to Zarephath, uh, which belongs to Sidon. Basically, he's going to go to a, 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 a Gentile area, not Jewish, to a, to a Gentile. And he says, And dwell there. See, listen, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Okay? So he arose, he went to Zareph, or Zareph, Thath. I'm not good at that. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a, a widow was there gathering sticks. That's encouraging. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. As she was going, so she obviously sensed from the Lord that she needed to do this. She probably had been commanded by the Lord already to some degree. We don't know exactly what she heard. She goes off to get the water, and as she's going, verse 11, he says, he calls to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. I'm thinking that, like, Elijah's probably like, whew, all right, a widow in Zarephath? She's probably hooked up, you know? She's probably, like, rolling in the dough, I'm going to be good to go, right? And then he shows up, and she's collecting sticks. And he's like, oh, well, maybe it's like a game she's going to play with her kid or something like that. And then so she's like, hey, can you get me some water? She goes off to get water. Hey, can I have a small piece of bread? And she says, as the Lord God lives, I do not have bread. Well, Elijah's, I'm sure Elijah didn't think this, but I'm just playing around. Well, well, that stinks. God said for me to come here. You know what I'm saying? Now, did I hear God on this one? Did I hear God? Hmm. You don't have bread. You got something else? You know? She says, you know, I don't... I only have a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. See, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Uh, That's good, Lord. Way to go. Brought me to a hopeless widow who's really encouraging. (laughs) No, I mean, come on. This This is a pretty bad recession. A widow who has no one to provide for her with a son who's probably too young to work with only a little bit more food and she doesn't even think she's going to last the next month. I mean, this is a little bit different than, you know, oh, I might lose my house. You know what I'm saying? Might lose my life. This is a big deal here. Not to say that somebody losing a house is not a big deal. This is a big, bigger, okay, bigger deal. (laughs) He says to her, do not fear. I like that, right? And we'll talk about that because fear will choke out the word every time. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. What was her provision? The word. Through Elijah. Interesting, huh? And what was his provision? The word. But who was he, in a sense, dependent on? Her. I really believe this is how the Acts 2 community has to function. I don't think you can have a church of generosity supporting one another just on principle. A church who's so in love with Jesus and so trusts Him that we'll do what He says. And when God says, give to that person, we do. And when God says, now receive that from that person, we do. This is how the church is the hope of the world. You know, you can do studies... This will just be a side thing. We'll, we'll, I'll talk about more about this later. You can do studies of, of non-government organizations, NGOs that go into nations that are like really poor... And they're good. I mean, I like, you know, non-profit organizations. I'm talking like World Vision. We like World Vision. I give to World Vision. Wonderful. But the money does not get down to the lowest. Does not get to the poor of the poor. They've done case studies of this. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't work for that person often. And they, they know this. I mean, we do our best, right? Go in there and try to help as much as we can. Praise God for all the people who are doing stuff. So I'm not trying to be negative. But guess what happens Study, you study churches, people, 
gathered together around the gospel who have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus, right? Representatives of heaven on earth in bad situations and they come together and they believe God together and they do what the Word says, right? And they give to one another. They begin to train one another. They begin to, to create economies together. And what happens? An economic lift from the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. And how did it happen? Because America flooded that church with money. No! It happened because God is their provider. This thing doesn't work in America. It doesn't even really work very well in America. We don't really do what he says. No, I'm joking. We're not talking about like, you know, prosperity gospel. We're talking about people believing God for their provision when there's nothing. Nothing. And, the, and I'm telling you, you do the studies of people, churches, communities, local gatherings of believers who come together and believe God together. And what do they They lift each other up. The poorest of the poor. And it would be great if we gave them some money too. You know? <laughs> and microenterprise loans and all that fun stuff that we should do as a, as a rich and abundant people. But do, do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's not about affluence that we think we're getting from our nation or our government or this or that or anything else. It's about God, right? That's what I love about studying what the miracles that happen in places like Africa. And I don't just mean like one miracle. I mean a transformation of society. I love it because it's like, ha! (laughs) You know? I'll tell you some more stories later from Mozambique and stuff. It's good. But um, it's absolutely amazing what the Lord can do. And what's the Lord saying to us? His is our provision. His voice is your provision. And what's this story saying? Sometimes His voice will come through a person to you. Like a prophetic word on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Where you would begin to hear the Lord as I'm prophesying over you. Yeah? I, I, there's so many times I'm not even talking about what somebody's hearing. They're like, Dave, I heard God talk to me about this. And I'm like, Awesome. I mean, I rejoice in that. That's like my joy. It has nothing to do with what I'm preaching on. But they heard God. Why? Because we're in an atmosphere, a corporate gathering of worshiping the Lord, building up our faith and stuff. It can happen when you're all by yourself too, but man, there's just something about getting together as a unified family and stuff. Seeking the Lord together. Prophesying over each other. Speaking the word over each other. And of course, if a word comes to you from a person, you've got to own it. If they lied, or if they're wrong, it's your responsibility still. You, you have the Spirit inside of you. You need to sense in the Spirit, is this from the Lord or not? And you need to own it, and you need to do it. You know, A lot of people ask me, hey, I don't know what to do with a prophetic word. I don't know what to do. We'll talk more about that, but you take it, you hold on to it. You know? and we'll, we'll talk about how, how we actually live that out. And so, Elijah's provision came through this widow who had nothing. Yet, he was dependent on her obeying God, though. But it was absolutely miraculous, wasn't it? It was the Word and, 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 and then her provision was absolute supernatural. And we're talking like multiplying loaves and fish here, right? We're talking multiplication of oil and, and flour to provide bread for years, for a couple of years. Miraculous provision. I don't know if I'd want to look in the bin, you know? Is there still flour in there? You know? I don't know if you'd want to look in there. Absolutely amazing supernatural provision. Why? Based on the word of the Lord. Because God said. You have the favor of God on you. He loves you. He has promised to provide for you. And God cannot lie as Kurt reminded us this morning. Thank you Lord. But you need to hear Him specifically for you. You need to hear. It is your will to provide for me. It is your will to to, to lead me. It is, is your will to fulfill your calling on my life. It is your will to set me free from those addictions. It is your will. And as you press into the Lord... As you seek Him, you keep you know, uh, planting those seeds in your heart and you're holding on to it, He speaks to you in the hearing of faith. And you do what He says. And you say, well, what if I messed up and I didn't do what He said? Well, then do what He says now. Or ask Him, you know. So I've messed up before and sometimes, you know, then the word is, well, do what I said. Get on with it. Other times, you know, you miss an opportunity. You do. And what do you, what do, you do? You repent, obviously. You confess. You repent before the Lord. And you ask Him, what do I do? And, and you know, he'll, he'll redeem it. But, you know, hey, we're people. Let's hear him the first time and obey, right? And we need to cultivate that in our lives. Let me tell you a couple quick stories just about provision. I would love to talk a lot about God speaking to me. But I remember um, in our early 20s, Michelle and I were just married. We got our house, our first home, which was a blessing of the Lord and miracle provision, that kind of thing. And I'm sitting in my house 
green carpet. It's great. In this old recliner that we finally got rid of. Michelle was like, yeah, get rid of that ugly thing, you know. And I'm sitting in this recliner and I'm reading the word. I'm in the morning and, and my father had been saying to me, you know, go, to, go get your master's degree, get your master's degree. I had graduated recently from my, with my BA. And, and um, I said, and, I, and I, I knew, I mean, I knew that it was going, it would happen at some time. But I said, to, I don't know if I told, well, maybe I did. I said, yeah, I just, I think I told him, hey, look, there's a lot of transition, getting married, getting a house. I'm going to wait for a little bit. Plus, I was burnt out. I needed the Lord to do some healing in my heart. A lot of things he was dealing with me on the inside. But I don't know if I told my dad this, but before the Lord and maybe to Michelle, I said, no, I need to hear God, you know? I need to hear the Lord. And the Lord had really, like, in that season, as I would sit in that recliner throughout, you know, each morning and seek the Lord, just sing to the Lord and read the Word and, and sing the Word back to Him, pray in the Spirit, the Lord broke anxiety. I mean, I, I, there, there was a season in my life where that anxiety was really wanting to choke out the word. You know, I've been through a lot, a lot of those kind of things. I got to get that stuff out of my heart. But I had a lot of anxiety because, you know, the house and marriage. You know, I just felt that weight of responsibility. And the Lord had really begun to broke, break that, teach me to keep my eyes on the Lord and right, plant the right seeds and don't let anything choke it out. And as I'm with the Lord that morning, I still remember the Lord said, now it's time. Go to APU. And, and, and I knew it was the Lord, right? So I applied. I went to APU. And I didn't go very fast. I... And I, and I sent, I also just as, you know, as you're listening to the Lord, he'll give you other dynamics too. And so I knew to do, um, I just did this 36 unit theology degree and uh, I knew it wasn't going to, it wasn't a long one, huge one, but I also didn't go very fast. I was part time and trying not to have, you know, debt or whatever, too much debt. And so uh, uh, it took a couple years, you know, I just, but I, I knew I would go at this certain pace. Okay. So I did a certain pace. It was interesting is the semester that I was going to finish my MA, uh, I was working on my thesis paper and something else, whatever, finishing it up. As I was finishing that up, the job I was working at, I was working at the church, but I was also working another job at a, selling pool tables. That job dried up. Economy starting to, was starting to not do so great, and pool table sales weren't doing great, so I, I needed laid off. And I'll tell you, by the way, the Lord told me about that job too. I, that was a whole other story. But the Lord spoke to me about that job. And it was absolutely, there's so many things even with that. The Lord spoke to me specifically about that. That one's drying up right as I'm graduating from my master's. As I'm graduating from my master's, part of me, I started to strive, you know, start to like, I, I, I mean, part of me was very diligent. Part of me was striving. And I knew, as you can tell, striving, you get tired. You get spiritually, emotionally tired, and you don't feel intimate with the Lord when you're striving. And so there's a part of me that's striving, all looking for a job everywhere, that kind of thing. But uh, the other side, I was just really diligent. I was getting my applications ready. I had sense from the Lord that, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a part-time pastor because I was committed here. The Lord spoke to us about being here. Again, being led by the Lord, right? And, we're gonna, and I am committed here, by the way. Give my heart to you guys. Love you. But just I knew it was here, and so I said, well, Lord, I'll be a, I had been sensed from the Lord to be a part-time teacher. A professor, you know. So I was just working on my applications, getting everything together, and I was applying to like every place, everywhere, right? And again, that's good. It's some good diligence. But there was a stri- like I said, there was a kind of there was a part of me that was a striving in my heart where the Lord was like, "Come away with me. Come on, just spend some time with me. I want you to rest." And, oh no, I got to find a job, you know. And you know, despite that, the Lord is so good. He had to work on that later, but this Lord is so good. All my looking, and what happens? A friend of ours comes, hires me at APU. Good money, by the way. Great job working with international students teaching English. Why? Because I had a master's degree. Who told me to get a master's degree? Jesus. When did he tell me to do it? He told me in the perfect timing. I am convinced. I am convinced. He told me when to start. He knew when I would finish. And I even said, you know, you kind of be, again, it's the sensing and the leading of the Spirit as you go throughout your day to day. It's perfect timing. Absolutely perfect timing. Then that summer, I get asked to teach one class at Life Pacific College, become an adjunct, and I've been teaching at Life since. I, you know, I could go from story to story as the Lord has just lead us one step of the way. Now what happens if I didn't do what he said? You're saying that God's going to drop you? No, he's a good God, but that was his word to me. That was his word to me. And he's always been faithful to Michelle and I to provide and to bless. Uh, recently, we've been struck... Not struggling, but uh, praying through what to do with our son. Just joking. Now, what to do with our son regarding his education. He's now going to be five. He's a, he's a young, he's going to turn five. He's going to be a young five. 
what do we do? You know, put him in kindergarten or whatever? We don't think that it, he's ready for that. We want to wait a year, blah, blah, blah. Okay? So we're praying through this, talk about it all the time. You know what I'm saying? And it, talking is good. And, uh, and, and we work it through, we talk through, but we, we pray too. We, we seek the Lord. And um, there was, we had to decide, do we do this school, that school, this, that, and the other thing, right? And I'm not down with anxiety, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to worry about it. Let's just ask the Lord, okay? So we go before the Lord, and we ask him, hey, should we do this Foothill Christian School? Should we go for it? Because we're talking like a bunch of money to even like apply, take a test, that kind of thing. So, of course, me, you know, me and my abundance of thinking, I'm like, hey, we ain't doing it unless, you know what I'm saying, it's the Lord. <laughs> yeah, because I'm a man of faith over here. But, you know, I just, no, I mean, I, I do struggle at times with those kind of things. And, and so uh, uh, we, we asked the Lord, did we hear an audible voice? No. But both of us sensed a peace from the Lord as to what we should do. And we felt that it was right to go forward, apply to Foothill Christian, and uh, that he would you know, go to Foothill. Now, we didn't want him to start in a kindergarten, but we had heard that they had a K-1. I kind of like, hadn't, I wasn't really thinking about that, but we had heard that they were going to have a K-1. K-1's like in between preschool and kindergarten. It's like two years of kindergarten. And that's what we really wanted. Okay, so we apply, they take the test, we go in and we sit before these people, and they say, yeah, your son's probably not, he, you could put him in kindergarten, but you know, we don't think it's a good idea. And we were like, we, we think so too. He said, but... We were like, come on, just tell it. No, we were like, inside, I'm like, yeah, but, come on. And he says, yeah, but we have this K-1. But he didn't call it a K-1, like a pre-K. They don't have a name for it yet. And, or maybe they do now. And he said, we have this thing. And I said, that's what we want. <laughs> I said, I mean, that's what we pray. We sense the Lord on that. Okay, so, man of faith that I am, you know, a couple weeks later or whatever, I'm like a little bit worried about the provision. You know, and I, I'm, I'm a guy that like, you know, I have a bunch of heart the mouth speaks, right? So I'll like make sarcastic jokes about how the fact that it's X amount of dollars, you know, I'm like, oh boy, you know, and I'm like, oh Lord, I'm so sorry, you know, you know, it's, fu- it's good to be funny, but I'm like, Lord, you know, that's not right, that's not right to talk like that, you're my provider, but I go before the Lord, you understand, I go before the Lord, and I, you know, build up my faith, deal with that, I'm talking to him, and he's talking to me, there's a dialogue going on here, and I say, Lord, based on, you know, what the Lord's been showing me and teaching me, I said, Lord, you, you put this on our hearts. We pray, we sense the leading of your spirit. And it's your will. I know you're going to provide. And the reality is, I'm not worried about it providing. By the way, like, there was no, there's really, like, it's in the budget, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, when you're like, oh, it's going to be tight, or whatever, you know, just stupid fears that we all go through. It wasn't even that the numbers weren't lining up or anything like that. But what did I do? I put my heart at rest before the Lord to say, Lord, you spoke to me. Did I have a specific verbal word from the Lord? No. A leading of the Spirit, right? You know, sometimes it is that way with marriage. You know, People are like, I have to hear the angels. I have to come down. It's like, just ask Him, and He'll witness to your Spirit about what's right. You know, And of course, we're in community, and we help each other and stuff like that. I could go on and on about amazing stories, but I just want to tell you, His voice is your provision. Amen? Specifically in that area of finances. But His voice is 